0: Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
1: Well, happy July 5th to you, everybody. It is the day after July 4th. My name is Luke Thomas. The gentleman on the other side of your screen, that is Brian campbell we of course are the hosts of morning combat now there is no live morning combat today we're usually live monday wednesday friday at 11 a.m in the east not today because well no one's really on the internet today plus we're headed out to vegas tomorrow bc and uh it's a big week it's ufc 264 fight week good good sir
0: yeah but we still had to come in unlike all of your other shows and your favorite hosts american or not who are probably Roasting a, a hot dog, right? Because their livers are a lot healthier healthier than ours and enjoying their family. But we've pre-recorded this because we know that some of you, some of you P1s, day one-ish folks, you can't get enough. You need the injection. And this is a big enough friggin' week, 264 Connor Dustin Trio. And maybe, Luke, the biggest week in the history of our great brand here of Morning Combat as we approach our two-year anniversary of the show. And a blowout week of coverage across Morning Combat, CBS Sports HQ, and I don't know wherever else we we will be. This week is going to be special, Luke. So I need you to to get ready, clear your schedule, clear your vices, clear your evil thoughts, and just bring it this week. If you're going to come this week, Luke, come on. Okay.
1: All right. Fair enough. Now, Today is Monday. We're going to start things light. So BC and I thought, okay, we can't do a live episode today, but maybe what we can do is let's set the tone for the rest of the week. Now, this card, UFC 264, doesn't take me or BC to tell you it's stacked. It's obviously got a huge main event. So we thought, okay, there's probably going to be a million stories we talk about this week and a million different storylines. But we thought, let's start the week, BC, with the five biggest questions that we have around 264. That's not to say that if our 5 uh don't match yours that they don't count. There's a million different ways you can go. We're just thinking about our 5 biggest. So I'll go first then BC will go, but we'll talk about each other's question, try to answer the best we can. Of course, we won't get an answer until Saturday night. You ready BC? Oh, I'm so ready. All right. Thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe. Let's get into it. Question number 1 BC, and of course, there's nowhere else to start with this card but the main event. Here is my question and I'm going to I'm going to restate the question and why I'm asking you see I'd love to see what your reaction is. Here's my question. Heading into UFC 264, is Conor McGregor still an elite fighter? Here's why I asked that. We obviously know he has done absolutely incredible things in his career, beating Jose Aldo the way he did, insane, that whole run remarkable becoming the first person to wear a belt in two different weight classes simultaneously. The winner, Eddie Alvarez, he wasn't just elite at that time. He was the king of the universe, maybe. Maybe the king of the sporting world, at least for a brief window in time. But since then, it has not exactly been that. While he made a lot of money against Mayweather, he certainly lost that belt, which was to be expected, but okay. But there was a lot of issues outside of the cage. There was a lot of time off. He came back. He fought Khabib. And losing to Khabib is not the end of the world. He is the best lightweight maybe we've ever seen. And he had some time off, so okay. Well, then he fought, with some more time off, Donald Cerrone. That was an easy one. But we came to find out that, like, Donald Cerrone was maybe on his last legs as a fighter at that point. And the fight was too short to take a whole lot from, although there were some lessons from it. And then he fought BC. We did a resume review for it, certainly cursing him, according to some of our viewers. Yeah. He fought Dustin Poirier, the second time back in January. And in the words of Dustin Poirier, he got put on airplane mode. BC, is Dustin, po- excuse me, is Connor McGregor still an elite fighter?
0: I mean, certainly that can only be answered by Saturday night. But for the first time, Luke, I have very strong sub- suspicions that he isn't. And what I mean by that, Luke, is it's not that I'm some Connor super fan. I've just really believed in one special skill that I really feel like people. I don't want to say they missed, but they undervalue Conor McGregor's ability to he's we know that he was elite, right? At least at some point, but his ability on the big stage in the big moment when it matters most to raise to a level that is above really what he should be is almost unparalleled in UFC history when all the stakes are even and it's Connor versus Aldo and it's this huge fight and can he deal with it? Well, he we didn't even know if he could deal with it because he raised his game to such an absurd level that the first punch that landed knocked the legend out cold. This is what he used to do. And I think because that was so strong and whether you believed in the mystic Mac or what I like to call quote unquote magic, meaning when you build momentum and you believe in yourself so much, you are just operating at a level that it's like things happen that maybe shouldn't, or maybe that you aren't really that great enough to happen. No, one's going to doubt that from 2015 to 2016, the magic was strong. Connor was active. He was super elite. He was, and you know, there's a guy of course that you can overrate and underrate at equal measures because he's so polarizing, but he was special then to all the things that you said in that lead up. He hasn't been special since. But he's shown little flashes, and I think I've been one who's always been sort of leaning to the idea that there's a chance he could reactivate that magic. I get drunk off the idea that, you know, is the legend gone? Well, there's a great line that Matt Dillon's character in the 1995 movie, Luke Beautiful Girls, that often gets forgotten. It's a fantastic movie. There's a a great line Matt Dillon said in there. You know, you're still living off the legend. Dillon was a former high school tough guy that now is just a nobody. But he said to Michael Rappaport's character, be careful because that legend can still kick your ass. And, you know, Connor is living off the legend. There's no question about it, Luke. He is not the same guy from 2015 or 2016 anymore. He's older. He is less evolved in the overall parts of his game than he should be, to be honest, for his competition level. The sport has caught up to him to a certain degree. The lifestyle he's lived outside the ring from layoffs to excess. Haven't been the best thing for him, but Luke, can the legend still kick Dustin Poirier's ass on the right night? I predicted Connor Wood ahead of that one. I was drunk enough on the magic. I predicted he would beat Habib. And even though it was largely one-sided, I think we can say in hindsight, his performance was stronger than much of his, you know, his compatriots have done against Habib on the title level. Even though he was stopped by strikes by Dustin Poirier, which was an eye-opening sort of like, oh, shit, no one's done that before. I don't want to go too far in either direction. I don't want to go too far and say, well, you know, it's not the same guy anymore when in the second round he was walking Dustin down and landing big shots and looked a little bit like that old guy again. I don't think he's that old guy anymore, Luke, so I can still give you an answer that he's no longer the same super elite guy, but can he muster? enough of what's left of that elite guy to put forth a performance to beat another guy in Poirier who is on his way to be an all-time great. For the first time, Luke, since the long layoff, I have too many doubts to favor him, and I'm really of the belief, and we've talked about this in terms of what's the biggest storyline coming in, Conor McGregor is doubling down on what's left of his elite legacy. It's, it's now or never. He's going all in he beats Poirier, he's back in the title picture. The star has been revived all as well in, in Crumlin. If he loses, he's going to be looked at as an old celebrity fighter. I tend, as we enter this fight, Luke, where the answers can only be given inside the cage to for the first time believe the latter, that whether you think the sport's passed him by or he just didn't catch up enough or he's just older and not as great as he used to be, Luke, I think he can be in this fight I have heavy doubts to believe that he can win it.
1: I, I, I am two things stand out to me about this fight real quickly. Be seen, and We'll move to the next question, which is one, the amount of time off he's taken. So after the Alvarez fight, he fought three times in 2016, March, August, and November. That was just an incredible year for him. Even though he lost the Nate Diaz fight, he obviously got the, the win on the rematch and then beat Eddie Alvarez. Incredible, right? So he's been, went from 145 to 170 to 155, and it, 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 amazing. Then he takes basically two years off and fights Habib and loses, and again understandable given the circumstances. Takes about another year and some change off, and then fights Cerrone. But that fight lasted 40 seconds, and then took another year off and fought Dustin Poirier. There's a big question about can anyone Conor McGregor or otherwise, uh, take time off that kind of time off in their game? And obviously there was the I should point out there was the Mayweather boxing match in between, but. Can you take that kind of time away from MMA at the elite level and maintain your ability? I, I don't know that you can, but Conor McGregor is going to tell us that. The second thing we see here before we move on to the next question is, and he's done this a couple of times in the past. I don't get it. It's like, dude, you fight in MMA. Why are you taunting your opponents about being the first ones to shoot? Dustin Poirier shooting in the second fight was not the reason that he won BC, but you saw that fight with me. We both remarked that was so smart of him to get Connor on the back foot, mentally speaking anyway, drain him a little bit, and then turn on the afterburners a little bit later in the fight. It was a game plan that worked to perfection, like these taunts about, oh, you're not going to be the guy who strikes with me. It it feels a little off to me.
0: Yeah, he's still using a 1.0 mentality. It's almost like we're going to go in there and fight and I'm going to knock you out because I'm more of a badass than you. But, you know, modern MMA is not that, Luke. It's not black or white. Who's the tougher guy of the two or who's got the bigger punch? It's who can adjust and make the, you know, adaptions. And I think what Conor showed us in that Poirier fight, okay, the pandemic got in the way of what looked like was going to be a strong comeback. We can, we can overvalue the, the, the 42nd Cowboy win a lot. But, look, I think the best part of that win, and not only is was Cowboy washed from a chin perspective – you know, he, he didn't show up in the big moment either. But Conor looked like he had added wrinkles to his game. It looked like, okay, if there's going to be a Conor 2.0 in a second prime, he looked poised to get it. What did he show us against Dustin? Even though, yes, he walked him down and landed some big punches, which showed you maybe he's two more strikes away from winning this fight. There were no adaptions. He, had, he, he adjusted to calf kicks like they were something that had just been invented the day of that fight, Luke. To your point about the takedowns if he's not going to come into this trilogy i don't want to say with a completely different game but with that urgency that says it's not about getting in the best shape of my life it's not about putting away the the potential drug use or any other thing that may have held him back although obviously at this level you you automatically have to do that it's going to be about luke how much between fight two and fight three could he and would he have been able to add to his game Because you cannot beat a guy like Dustin Poirier with Conor McGregor 1.0 and just think, I'm going to get to your chin quicker than you're going to get to mine, and I'm going to win it. There's going to have to be major adaptions. If he's not thinking that way, Luke, Saturday night, it's it's going to be a bad night for him. It's going to be a very bad night for him.
1: All right, BC, that's my first big question. What's yours?
0: My question number two here, Luke, is are we undervaluing what's actually at stake for Dustin Poirier, and here's how I want to frame that to you, is obviously Connor and his constant redemption angle. And it, look, he's going to dominate the headlines no matter what. And this whole angle of Connor all or nothing, we've seen it before. We've seen it in the Nate Diaz rematch. We've seen it to some degree after the layoff against Habib. We've seen it against Kyle. I mean, it's the same narrative every time. Yet what we're not talking about is that we know Dustin Poirier chose the money and the prestige of fighting Connor a third time Overgoing for the vacant title after habib retired so right now charles Oliveira is rightfully so your lightweight champion but luke until i see dustin fight him i'm, I'm not going to believe that dustin isn't the best lightweight so we already know beating connor a second time in this trilogy will get dustin money it'll get him increased fame and it'll get him a title shot but are we missing potential other historic things here not only would a win tie him i believe for second place all time in wins, or maybe it's third in UFC history. But the point is it would tie him with John Jones, Anderson Silva, and and I think two other very high luminary names that would put him up there. It would also, if we're being honest, Luke, there's been a long time sort of like list that people don't want to show up on, but the list of who's the best fighter in UFC history, the most accomplished who has never won a title. Bisping used to top that list. Benavidez is high up on that list, but we typically always debate. It's like a Dan Henderson maybe Uriah Faber, two guys that have won titles in other promotions that were big, but not UFC. Dustin Poirier with a second win over Conor McGregor here, adding that to wins over Max Holloway and Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje. And I mean, the guys put together such an incredible run. I think might change conversations, Luke, of, is he the second greatest lightweight of all time, looking at the totality of his resume? Mm. And is he potentially the greatest fighter who up to this point has yet to win a full undisputed UFC championship? So my question to you, Luke, is are we missing the boat completely of what's at stake for Dustin Poirier and spending too much time looking at the financials?
1: Well, that is interesting. That's a huge question, too. I don't think folks have really thought about it that way. I think the biggest question has been, well, if Dustin wins, does he get a title shot, which I would imagine at this point, I don't know how you could even, well, he should have got a title shot long ago, but you get my point. Like that's what most people I think are focused on. Not, not without bad reason or not without good reason, I should say. Um, Wow. Well, he does have the interim title. So because he won that against max lost it against Habib. So if he ever got the title again, he would not, it would not be exactly the same kind of coronating moment that Bisping got by beating Luke Rockwell to UFC 199. But I get the point. Still, the question is where he would fit into that larger pantheon of lightweight greatness. I think you I think that there's a there's a real debate to be had about that. I think you might be onto something. You know, because we, we Luke, did uh,
0: to 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 set you up is is I think too many people are looking at it like okay, it doesn't matter if he beat Conor, he just beat him before. Doing a second win over Conor McGregor before he's completely washed just adds another thing on top of a, a a career of accomplishments for Dustin in terms of names that I don't think people really understand how great his last five years have been.
1: And also, whatever you want to say about the last win he had over Connor and the stance and Connor's time off and everything else, we do know that one against Nate Diaz, he made enough corrections where I think it was a majority decision, but either way, he got his hand raised, so he got the job done when he had a chance to do it differently. More to that point, this will be uh, a fight for the first time in forever, I think since 2018 or so, where Connor's had less than a year in between fights, just six months. And that last six months, assuming he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, has all been geared towards one opponent, one moment, one fight, one night. That's something he hasn't had, or at least hasn't done anyway, in a really long time. So if Dustin's able to get that win, in many ways, BC, that might be the most impressive of the three, right? Um, And for Conor to come back and get the win, it would... Maybe the first win for Connor is still the most impressive given the circumstances, but I don't know. I might argue that the third one is actually the most important one and the one that really is beyond being a tiebreaker, um, the most explanatory one about what has happened to their careers. But let's let's imagine that Dustin wins. Yeah, man, like we talked about it. We, it's not out yet, but we have a, a resume review coming out um, for a certain fighter, and, and in it, we both looked at his resume and we were like, well, there's got some blemishes on there. But it's not about the blemishes per se. A, they're they're few and far between, but more to the point, there's like this accumulated greatness. There's this learning from mistakes. BC, I don't want to give everything away, but I feel like Dustin Poirier's story to this point in many ways is kind of similar. There are blemishes on there. The first Connor fight, the Michael Johnson fight, the Khabib fight, you name it. Like he's not a perfect fighter, but he's got enough wins over former champions that even now folks are like, why doesn't he have a title fight already? Number one. And number two, to beat the guy who was your nemesis the last time, that's important. To then do it again when he has all of the wind at his back in a way that he hasn't in years, to be the guy that denied Connor redemption, which really no one else has been able to do, man, I don't know. I don't know if that makes you – I don't know exactly where that puts you, but if Dustin Poirier is not in your top five, maybe top three, lightweights of all time with a win on Saturday, you might want to rethink your list.
0: I mean that's the thing about what's really at stake, and, and no, he's not. No one's going to put a crown on his head and say congratulations. You're not the third greatest lightweight ever. But just just take this into into the matter. Since 2015, when Dustin returned to lightweight, he's 11 and two. Luke, and among those 11 wins, or let's say he goes to 12 and two with a win over Connor in this, that would be two wins over McGregor, wins over Dan Hooker, Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, Jim Miller and four others, including, you know, a a Carlos Diego for I mean, you know, some credible names. I think you have to ask yourself, Luke, okay. He didn't beat Habib when he stepped up to the highest level, but nobody has. Has what he's done at lightweight in the past six years without winning a title, but yes, holding an interim. Is that better than Frankie Edgar's run as a lightweight? Is that better than BJ Penn's run as a lightweight? And you do have to realize that his legacy is split between two divisions, meaning BJ Penn I just think it's when you look at, you know, total wins, you look at everything Dustin has accomplished. There's a lot more here in this second Connor fight than just cashing in the money. Uh, who does this to Connor? Who stops him on strikes? And if he wins on Saturday, who beats Connor twice? Nobody. So it, it, it's wild. There's a lot there for him in addition to a title shot at stake money and all that comes with that.
1: All right, so that takes us now to question number three. BC, I'm going to go to the co-main event, obviously. Don't worry, I, we won't just pick from the main card and then the the main and the co-main event, but it, it is a big fight. Obviously, it's the one that's top of mind. We'll get to all these stories all this week. But it's about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, BC. He's got a hell of a fight uh, against Gilbert Burns. And he currently, you know, he was born in 1983, BC. He was He's not a young guy. No, he's not taking a ton of damage. But even in that Jeff Neal fight, it was a little bit more blood and guts despite being one-sided. Vicente Luque fight, less so of that, but he lost the Darren Till fight. Okay, that wasn't blood and guts, but then he got dropped for the first time and finished. Uh, and I shouldn't say dropped for the first time. He got finished for the first time with strikes um, by Anthony Pettis, At least, or I should say knocked out cold because I think uh, he got beat by Matt Brown. But the point being is, He's still able to maintain relevance, BC. He's still able to get wins over big names. Here he is. I think if he wins this, I'm looking at the rankings right now. At welterweight, he's sitting at five. Leon Edwards is four, so he might get it, but we'll see how that goes. Burns is sitting at two, but he got the title shot close enough with the loss, but I don't think even a win over five gets him back. Covington is sitting at one. He's probably next. I'm just saying you win this fight, you probably are on the on-deck circle, right? But is this the last one? If he doesn't beat Gilbert Burns on Saturday, BC, question to you. And again, we won't know till Saturday. Does that effectively close the door on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, UFC title shot future?
0: It does. And, and the reason, the major reason wow. is the age, 38 years old. The other major reason, Luke, is is kind of what you alluded to. Colby Covington getting pushed by Dana into the next spot. Leon Edwards, he may take another fight in between. He may just sit out and wait because of everything he's accomplished. You got two big blocks ahead of you. A loss, you're, you're just not coming back from that, Luke, although there are, obviously there's different kind of losses, and obviously with Wonderboy's name as a former title contender, you know how it works. Sometimes you just stay healthy and somebody falls out last minute, and then you get that call. But for, for all intents and purposes, Luke, yeah, this is it. And, you know, I give him a lot of credit at 38. For in a division where, again, you don't see a lot of the, when When it fell off for Tyron Woodley, it fell off. You don't see a lot of late 30s guys at Welterweight against this elite era staying relevant. He's done that. I never thought he lost to Till in that close fight. He was beating the bags off Pettis before he got knocked out. But outside of that, there hasn't been a lot of blemish since the two very, very close fights with Woodley where either one had a tiny bit of momentum gone in the other direction. He could have already been champion. Uh, he's been a very, very good fighter, never great, but very, very good. Luke, this is his time given his name and the fact that Usman has already fought everybody and he's entering a second straight rematch where the doors might open. If he beats Gilbert Burns, which is a very, very credible win, no one's arguing that the doors just might open. You never know if UFC is going to try to force Leon Edwards into a Mazvidal fight. You just never know what's going to happen here. Luke, as much as I say, a win, Really puts him on the on the doorstep. A loss completely removes him from the conversation, and I don't see how you're going to argue that, Luke.
1: I'm not, but I will say, no. You know what? I'll just be honest. If he loses to Gilbert, I don't, I don't, I don't see the path. You're you're barreling down on 40. You're not far away from it. It's not like he looked bad against Jeff Neal. BC, wouldn't you say that Wonder Boy Thompson, for the most part, looked? I mean, he had Jeff Neal confused, and 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 and. and behind the eight ball constantly but i just even with kumaru being as dominant he's he's been where he's gotten rid of all these contenders making a chance for wonder boy to to squeeze in if there is one you lose to gilbert burns and i just feel like i don't know where you go from there i really don't it doesn't make you irrelevant but it doesn't make you relevant to the title picture and i think that's a serious issue that is really going to hopefully light a fire under Wonderboy Thompson's rear end if he, if he wants to take his future as far as it can go. What do you By got the for way, the next so, question, BC, If you have uh, any more, real quick have.
0: sneaky, sneaky resume on Wonderboy. When you consider that as a UFC welterweight, oh, yeah. he has wins over Robert Whitaker, Patrick Cote, Jake Ellenberger, Johnny Hendricks, Rory McDonald, came as close as you can come in a draw with Woodley, beat Jorge Masvidal, Luke, a. and Neil. I mean, that's a, if he never gets back to the top, Luke, and does, you know, lose here and then eventually phase out. It's a hell of a run for a guy who never got there, who came pretty damn close. My question number four, Luke, as we look ahead to UFC 264 on Saturday, uh, is a giant bullseye circle around the name of Greg Hardy, who will get another push mm-hmm. and featured heavyweight bout on this pay-per-view card. We know the story of how the ex-NFL All-Pro who has had plenty of uh, sidesteps outside the ring, but has kept his personal life largely together since coming to fighting. He he went on Instagram and was like, yo, Tui. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's bang. Luke, they're going to bang. And we know Tai Tuivasa's limitations. We also know that he comes in there. go for the ko so i want to ask you as we look at the greg hardy experiment which has really seen him get incredible placement on cards before he has proven that he's deserved it at age 32 only i would have argued he's much older he's four and three with one no contest since making his ufc debut just two years ago if he loses here to tuivasa and let's say it's by stoppage which he got knocked out by martin tabura in his last fight in december is this the end of the greg hardy experiment i don't necessarily mean a a cut but is this the last time that we're taking him as celebrity fighter with the the, with the background and the name value and we're putting him high up on the card for the chance to see if this experiment can work out
1: it's a great question wow i hadn't even you know what i'd put no thought into this fight because i I guess, which, you know what, by itself, that kind of tells you something, doesn't it? Um, Here's my read on Greg Hardy. I don't think that winning and losing per se, obviously it matters, BC. You know that as well as I do. But what I mean to say is this. When he is on the feet in his recent fights, I thought he's looked, and and I'm not going to mince words, awesome. For a heavyweight, you know, I thought he was moving really well. His shot selection was good. His defense was good. He's not afraid to throw. You can say that pretty clearly. He's not afraid to throw. But then the problem becomes, as you know, you take him down and the whole shit collapses. Like there's nothing to it. And it's partly, it seems like some kind of cardio issue, partly a take him out of his game issue. Maybe obviously it's a skill development issue on the ground. I'm not saying that what he's shown in fights is exactly his limits. I'm sure his training partners and you know Rashad Evans obviously could probably tell us in training he's seen a lot better from him than he showed in that fight. But what you show in the fight is ultimately the only thing that really matters. You can show whatever you want in practice. And yes, those might be your abilities for those scenarios. But the scenario fighting is the only one that really it matters in the end. And it's been dreadful. I honestly feel like if he loses, but he shows a real improvement on the ground. If he shows that he can stuff takedowns and not gas, or if he can get taken down, he can kind of get back up. He didn't just lay there and then succumb to the inevitability of ground and pound. Then there might be some charitable things the UFC could do. It extends the leash a little bit. But I'll say this, BC. If he goes back out there and he pieces up to Ivasa and he wins, maybe he's buying himself time. But the biggest question is, dude, when the next heavyweight takes you down, because they will, what is going to, pardon me, what is going to happen then? I don't know if Tuivasa is the guy to make us answer this question, BC, no. but I will answer your question in this way. Assuming he tries and Hardy looks the same as before, I think the UFC is going to really rethink the Greg Hardy experiment.
0: And you make a great point. Tuivasa is not one to, that's going to expose the cardio and takedown defense and ground game, but you know Tuivasa might linger with power should Hardy, who has looked great early but has faded in many of these uh, should he start to fall apart and you know if he loses here luke that's four and four with one no contest and two straight defeats when your best win is a loss to alexander Volkov, mostly because you didn't you didn't fall apart you didn't get ko'd i mean you know you you were tough and you and, and you you know i mean it was a tough outing that night but you know what's his best win maurice green like like th- this is really there, there's a lot of 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 now or never in this fight for Hardy that I think it would be hard to continue to go on this experiment, especially especially if old Tui Luke can KO him and then drink the the blood and urine out of the guy's shoe afterwards i mean you know or whatever whatever that whatever they do down under whatever those guys that you know shit in shoes and 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 pour one for their homies i don't know that's a culture luke that i i you know people say oh that's not all of australia bc that's only the weird ones okay that's cool yeah that's great that's great but uh i ain't drinking beer or any other but the fact that they spit in it before they pour the beer in luke, look look I, you know why don't why don't we all just make out Luke? okay right you know what i'm saying Hey, Chewy. What why don't we fatten? just spit in each <laughs> other's mouths? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do we do? What, what are we doing here? Uh, all right, Luke. Uh, fifth question What do you got?
1: BC, real quickly, would it surprise you to know that Tui Vasa is, according to our friends at William Hill, a slight favorite, minus 140 to plus 120?
0: That would not, because, Luke, let's be ac- let's be honest here. Uh, he's a better finisher than Hardy. And would you say that if either, which fighter is more prone to give the best performance of their career where you go, oh, wow. Tui Voss is not out of the conversation for the fact that he hasn't figured it out yet. We still might be on the verge of seeing his best performance, right? It's not over for him. So I believe in those odds. Yes.
1: All right. Fair enough. Now there's a bunch of different ways you could go for my last one, BC. And if you want, you can throw in an honorable mention. So we have the same number of them. Um, I'll actually go backwards. I'll say my honorable mention would be Carlos Condit, and Max Griffin, because Carlos Condit, remember he had the five losses in a row. And I thought he was donezo. He had the win over Court McGee, but I was like, eh. And then he had the win yeah. over Matt Brown, and I was still like, eh. But then Matt came back and looked awesome against Jago Lima. So it got me to rethink. He got two in a row. Matt Brown's no pushover, even at age 40. You know, he's still got it going on. That's a nice win that he got. Max Griffin's a different kind of guy because uh, he's just going to be in your face wrestling the whole time, I think. At least we'll, we'll see, I guess. But um, if Carlos Condit can get three in a row, I have utterly dismissed the idea that And I still don't think he could contend for a title, but could he enter back into fights against? Don't
0: don't even put that qualifier out there, Luke. He's so slow. I'm sorry. Like it's it's I know, I know,
1: I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying three wins in a row, and the last two being Matt Brown and Max Griffin, if it comes to that, is is a big deal. We'll see what happens. But the one I wanted to point to, BC, this is for my fifth, which is when I think about this fight, my question is, is Ryan Hall coming or going? Ryan Hall has taken on Ilya Toporia. Now, this is a super interesting fight. Ryan Hall, I've known him for years and years. I consider him a friend. Um, Black belt under, uh, I think, Felipe Costa from years and years ago. Medalist at ADCC, the whole nine yards. He comes into this fight. He has wins over Artem Lobov, Gray Maynard. He subbed BJ Penn, and then he decisioned Darren Elkins and has done it in the most confounding style imaginable where he'll kind of strike you a little bit from kicking range on the outside, and then he'll just pull guard and invert constantly, and people don't want anything to do with him on the ground. Well, why is Topuria an interesting challenge, BC? Well, he's a black belt himself, which but you know, doesn't mean anything necessarily against Ryan Hall, but is an absolute buzzsaw, one of these Georgian guys who's good everywhere, dynamic and unafraid. and That may be his undoing, but here's what I'm saying, BC. Ryan Hall last fought in 2019 July. It's been two years since his last fight. There's been some injuries and some pullouts, whatever, but, you know, he made his UFC debut in 2015. This is only his fifth fight. He's basically averaging one fight a year, and he's not getting any younger. Now, he's still not on the wrong side of, I think, damage and being shopworn. But this is my question, BC. To me, a win over this guy is very validating. I think a lot of Iliotopori. I think he's very, very... And I don't think it's any way gimme. In fact, the odds on this one very quickly, BC, according to our friends over at uh, uh, William Hill, they've got Toporia as a big favorite, minus 230. Wow. So keep that yeah, keep that in mind. But this is my thing. It's like if Ryan Hall is going to build on what he has to this point, which is something kind of interesting, so he's got all the hipsters uh, you know, foaming at the mouth. Not only does he got to get a win here, but he's got to get the kind of win and the kind of momentum that builds into something where they want to see you in three months. Look at Adesanya every three months, six months, three months, six months. I mean, that does a lot for your career. I don't know if Ryan Hall's got that in him by either schedule or injury or anything else, but this fight, if he loses, I feel like it does a lot to stall the momentum already that's been stalled by injury and time off and fight changes.
0: Yeah, like reputation-wise, it's like the hipster comment you made is so cool, so right on because it's like he's been living off a reputation that like, A, we've never seen him lose. He lost his pro debut, but he's won eight in a row since. He won all of his UFC fights. And it's like on any given night, he does have the style to give a ton of people credit, or I'm sorry, to give him trouble and to, and to possibly beat them. But we've ne- I don't, I've never had a, a handle, Luke, on how good he actually is or where he actually is. And you can't build momentum through an activity. So you're right. He wouldn't just need this win as an underdog. He would need to come back another time and then another time three months after that. And, you know, he hasn't fought in two years. He only fights every year and a half. I mean, it's just, it's wild for a guy to be 36 be unbeaten in the UFC, and we're still not really sure. You can hipster it and go, from what I've seen, I think, you know, what. I, no, you, you only know it when you get in the cage. So I like that you picked that because him showing up on this card was sort of like, oh, okay, I, I forgot about him. We often forget about him, and then he comes back and does weird Ryan Hall things and gets a win, and then you're like, is he a top-10 fighter? I don't even know. So right. I think that's very interesting. I don't know a ton about his opponent, Luke. Why would that man be um, favored in this spot that highly?
1: Yeah, dude, Ilya Taporia is a fucking beast. I've only seen him fight, I think, a couple of times, and every time I've seen him fight, yeah, he's only got the two fights. He beat Yusuf Zalal, who is a hard guy to do anything to, and he did, beating him over the course of three rounds, and then he knocked out Damon Jackson in the first round of 238. He's one of these guys out of MMA Masters, perhaps one of the most forgotten top gyms in all of the country. They're in Miami, and everyone's like, oh, you think of – you know, I guess it's uh, Sanford MMA now and then ATT. Dude, MMA Masters, they produce absolute murderers out of there. And uh, he comes from them. Black belt jiu-jitsu, he's only – the dude was born in B.C. When did you
0: graduate in high school? What year? 96.
1: Okay, he graduated in 97.
0: He was born 97, in 97.
1: he graduated. Um, so he's oh, graduated. super young, I think. Yeah, sorry, sorry, what am I saying graduate? He was born in 1997. He was born in Damn. 1997. So he's super young. He only absorbs 1.87 strikes per minute. People can barely put a glove on this guy. 100% takedown defense. Granted, a very small sample size. I'm just pointing out on tape, you look at him. He's athletic, powerful, ripped, black belt in jujitsu, young. Dude, he's a handful. Ryan Hall does not have an easy fight here whatsoever.
0: Dude, that makes me feel so old. I mean, we've already seen it when you like <laughs> see like a hot chick show up on the celebrity scene and you're like, oh my God, you know, how old is she? And are like, you look at the birth date and you're like, oh. You're right. I was like a junior in college when she was born. I guess I should end this conversation yeah. now. But even this guy, like I legitimately have T-shirts that I still wear that are older than this guy, Luke. And I'm only You see, I got, I got
1: news for you. He doesn't make you feel old. We are old.
0: It, so I, here's what I'm toying with right now at 42. Am I actually old or am I just washed? Like there is a difference, Luke. There is a
1: major um, You're not quite washed because you can still do pickup basketball and shit like that. So you're not washed in that sense. But you're definitely you're a young old person.
0: <laughs> all right, all right, uh, Luke. By my honor, my honorable. Yeah, mention, your, I was gonna
1: say your honorable mention. Take it away.
0: Final question. It's not that we didn't we didn't mention Sean O'Malley for a reason, but he's coming in there against a last minute guy, and Chris Moutinho is making his UFC debut and doesn't. It's not gonna. There's not much to that fight. Uh, you know, where fight. There is a lot to this welterweight duel, Nico Price versus <laughs> Michelle Pedata. And the reason why I bring this up and the question I want to ask is, Luke. Podeda, the last two fights, has really, two straight wins, have, has really turned around his reputation and really the direction of who he might be. We, we've seen some theatrics, but it's been more about a high motor and a guy going for finishes and really trying to, like, max himself out, which, again, to the criticism that I used to give him for being a circus clown, if you do that flying shit and all that weirdness, but you do it centered upon the idea of winning the fight, go for it. But if you're just dancing and doing weird stuff because you're weird – and then you gas out you're a clown luke nico price has the ability to take any fight and turn it into a spat shit crazy sloppy video game super bowl it's like we all have that friend who no matter how much we've turned our life around sometimes i say todd grisham's that friend. (laughs) if we hang out with him we're gonna end up doing things we didn't plan on doing luke okay um is, does Can Nico Price be the, the the bad influence on the direction of Michelle Padeda's career where we could see something truly weird and truly special on the prelims on Saturday night with the kind of just craziness that you don't typically get at this level?
1: I think he's going to do, our MMA fans who watch us won't like this comparison, but he's going to do a Jarrett Hurd, BC. He's going to come out boxing at range, and then Nico Price is going to be like, fuck that, no you're not. And then I honestly feel like he's going to pull him right back into who he is because that's who he is at his core, all this other shit. And he's winning this way to be clear. He's winning this way is an adjustment and it's the smart adjustment and it's the right adjustment, but BC, you got to make art. And if anybody knows that it's you, and if you're going to make art, the way to do it is to be honest about who you are. I think if anybody can pull Michelle Pereira out of this sort of, you know, not risk averse, but careful style that he's got, It's going to be Nico Price, but we'll see. Ever hear
0: adult women say, "Luke, you know, I'm not that type of girl. I don't do that." But then, if like the guy from Dawson's Creek walks around the corner, they're that type of girl, right? That's what it's like fighting (laughs) Nico Price, right?
1: I think that's that's a reasonably fair comparison. Although it depends what you're asking these people to do. BC, I don't know. I don't know what you're asking
0: them. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: There you have it. All right. Well, that's it for us right. today. Now we have tons more coverage coming your way all week long. So don't go anywhere. In the meantime, thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe. It's a little bit late, but happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to everybody. And get ready. We are headed on a bird to Vegas very soon. And when we get there, it's balls to the wall coverage for everything UFC 264 related. Um, yeah, here's so- the
0: deal, folks. You're going to get our instructions over social media or or maybe on Wednesday's uh, morning combat show, but we're going to be live in Vegas beginning Wednesday morning. And the location, which which we'll tell you soon, is right in the heart of it there. And you can come watch live MK if that's your thing. Come grab a beer. Come make a few sports bets, whatever you want to do. We're going to have a live spectacle. It's MK all day, nearly every day in Vegas for 264. And this should be fun and wild. We'll get Uncle Rashad in there. Maybe we'll mix some old friends, too, that are in the city for the week, and uh, we'll make some fun content.
1: There you have it. All right, thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. Enjoy your time off and get ready for the weekend. For Brian Campbell, CBS Sports, Showtime, and Malca. I'm Luke Thomas. We will see you guys in Las Vegas, and until then, may all of your gains be loyal.
0: Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.